Hi, everybody. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, uh, Texas, on Wednesday, September the 13th. And welcome to our commentary. Let, let me begin by uh, directing you to a post that I have over at the American Thinker on Wednesday morning. You can check it out at AmericanThinker.com or I reprint these uh, in my blog. So if you follow me on my blog, you can also read it there. They're also going to run it tonight at the Babalu blog. So a few places to check it out. And my post is about uh, sanctuary cities. You know, sanctuary cities used to be very popular in the Democrat Party. And in fact, uh, they were the thing to do for several years. And then all of a sudden, now the sanctuary cities have become a nightmare for the Democrat Party. Sanctuary cities, of course, are actually a combination of things. Uh, the way we debated it here in Texas a few years ago, a sanctuary city protected an illegal immigrant from police uh, identification and so on. The, the other definition of a sanctuary city, city, of course, is when many of these cities began to invite people to move to their cities saying, don't worry about your immigration status. That doesn't uh, matter to us. So now all of a sudden, 20,000 people have shown up in New York City and other places as well. The governor of Massachusetts has just declared an emergency because they cannot handle this. You've got school districts in New York in rebellion because they cannot handle all these kids. So the whole thing has turned into a nightmare for the same Democrats who were inviting people to move there before. And I have to tell you, I sympathize with the citizens of those districts who are you know, who are rejecting all of this and are probably going to end up paying a lot of taxes for this. I sympathize for you in that respect. But on the other hand, you voted for the people who did this. And so, you know, get if you want to change this kind of garbage in New York and so on, you're going to have to elect different people. You're going to have to elect, elect different people who have who understand common sense when it comes to immigration. You know, you can be in a country that welcomes immigrants, and, and I'm in favor of that. Uh, I came here as an immigrant when I was 12 years old. So you can be in favor of, of a country that is welcoming to immigrants, but it's got to be done in an orderly basis. You cannot have six to seven million people cross your border on the basis of a ticket that they have to show up with a judge sometime in the future, sometimes even three or four years in the future, I've heard. That's not an immigration policy. That is chaos. And uh, as soon as the governor of Texas realized that he would send these people to other parts of the country, the other parts of the country have gone into chaos, rebellion, saying that it's Texas' fault. That's not Texas' fault. We went through the same thing here. Go down to the border and ask uh, the mayors of many of those cities on the border, smaller cities in New York, by the way, much smaller, and ask them what it was like to have 10, 15,000 people show up in your city. It's not, it's not workable. So the Democrats are screaming. They want the, the federal government to give them money. That's not going to happen. The other thing that complicates things in these sanctuary cities is that many of these sanctuary cities and many of the states, whether it's California, Illinois, New York, these states are having economic problems. They're already losing taxpayers like crazy. I mean, the busiest highway in California is people moving out. New York City is losing millions of dollars constantly because of people leaving. So uh, it's their problem. I mean, their problem. And they, to, to a large extent, invited these people. Now they don't know what to do with it. Now they're throwing all kinds of you know, fits and complaints and screaming. Well, it's too late for that. 
too late for that. And what really makes things even worse is that the mayor of New York City or the governor of Massachusetts, nobody seems to have the courage to call on the Biden administration to close the border. Look, the only solution to this problem, you've already got six or seven million people in. Somebody's going to have to close the border and say no more asylum requests. We have to digest what we have. We have to process what we have. No more asylum requests and simply send out the message uh, to everybody around the world that if you show up at the border and you're seeking asylum, you're not getting in because we're going to go back to a policy of common sense on the border. Uh, whether that's going to happen or not, I don't know. But you're seeing in New York City and Chicago and L.A. and some of these other places, the consequences, the consequences of demagoguery meeting reality, demagoguery meeting reality. And that's uh, that's what's happening up there. Anyway, check out my post over at the American Thinker about sanctuary, sanctuary cities. Well, a quick note. I saw this in the news. Uh, Senator Mitt Romney, who, of course, ran for president in 2012. I voted for him in 2012. I also supported him in 2008 in the primaries. Uh, Senator Romney is not running for re-election in Utah. You know, he's getting up there in age, and I think he realizes that uh, the party has changed. I like Mitt Romney. I think he's a very serious guy. But unfortunately, you know, his time passed, and uh, I regret that he didn't win in 2012, but uh, that's... uh, That's the way it is. Inflation is back. The month of August, inflation came back. And, you know, you look around and you read all these articles. I've got a post uh, coming out about this tomorrow. You read all these articles and you see all these articles about inflation. And some people are surprised that inflation is back. Obviously, the people who are surprised that inflation is back have not been filling their tanks over the last 30 or 45 days, because you don't have to be an economist. You don't have to be a genius to realize that if the price of gasoline goes to 350 here in Texas, uh, it's $4 in other places. It's $5, I heard, in San Diego. If people are paying that kind of money for gasoline, it's going to have an impact on other things, you know, because everything we move in this country is moved by trucks or planes or trains or whatever. And all of those things, all of those vehicles, to one extent or another, require some kind of energy. Even electric cars, you know, the darling of the left now, the electric car. Somebody has to charge it. And normally you charge it at home. And where do you think that electricity comes from? From the power plant that that you pay electricity to. So inflation is back. And until we deal with the price of gasoline, until we, we can go back to the energy policy that we had during the Trump administration, one of the things that one of the best things that President Trump did was that he understood the connection between the price of oil and the family budget. Trump also understood something else, by the way, and that is the geopolitical factor of oil. You know, when oil is high and and you know we have to rely on imports from, you know, the Middle East or whatever, that gives a lot of power to those countries. But when you've got gasoline at $2 a gallon, as we had uh, during the Trump years, that has a huge benefit to the middle class family and to the family budget. So when that gasoline is $3.50 or $4 or $5 in other places, the family budget is really impacted. So you begin to see the impact 
of all of this on things like consumer credit loans, uh, like credit card loans, automobile loans, all of those loans are entering into greater and greater delinquencies all day because people cannot, cannot pay it. Because by the time they pay the gasoline, by the time that they pay the rent, uh, the utilities and all the other things that you need to be able to sleep in a, in a place, whether it's your home or your apartment, you know, pretty soon you're out of cash. And that's the impact of inflation. It's an absolutely devastating problem. It doesn't discriminate. That's the other thing about inflation. The guy making $100,000 a year is paying the same price as the guy making thirty. Obviously, it impacts the guy making 30 more, but that's the reality of, uh, of inflation. So, you know, you, have, you read these economists who are really surprised about this, saying, oh, unexpected. It's nothing unexpected. The problem with many of these experts is that they're not putting gasoline in their cars like many of us do. I could have told any expert that inflation was going to go up simply by looking at the rates of gasoline price increases. Gasoline goes up from three to 350, there's gonna be inflation, okay? That's just, uh, it is as simple as that. Uh, elementary, what was it, elementary, Dr. Watson? Uh, exactly, very elementary uh, to uh, Dr. Watson. It's very, very simple. If the price of gasoline goes up, inflation is going to, is going to follow. Well, the governor of New Mexico has certainly created a few problems for herself. She thought she was going to be the big heroine or the big hero of, uh, of the world by signing that executive order. But she has put herself in a situ difficult situation. The attorney general of New Mexico says he's not going to enforce it because he doesn't think, doesn't think it's constitutional. You've already got a sheriff and probably others saying, I'm not enforcing this. This is not constitutional. So she's in a big mess. Uh, how she survives all of this, I don't know. But as I mentioned the other day, it's not so much the constitutionality of this that bothers me. It's the incredible irresponsibility of a governor to think that the way you fix the crime problem is to go after people who legally have guns. That They're not killing people. People who have licenses to have guns, the millions of Americans who have a gun, they're not the problem. They're not the ones killing people every weekend in Chicago or in Albuquerque or wherever it may be. Those are criminals who are killing. And unless you're willing to go after those criminals by having judges who actually keep you in jail when you get arrested rather than put you out two days later, until you're willing to attack the criminals and go after them, it doesn't matter what executive orders you sign. You're not going to be dealing uh, with the crime problem. So, you know, the governor of New Mexico is in a real mess, and uh, she may not survive politically. Well, politically, she's done. I'm pretty sure of that. But, I mean, she may not survive. They may impeach her, uh, or may, she may have to resign just because of the mess that she's created. Again, if you've got a crime wave in your community, go after the people who are shooting, and they tend to be criminals, gangs. That's uh, who's involved in all of this. Look at Chicago every weekend. I mean, it's a disaster. Chicago every weekend. And they have very strict uh, gun laws up there. Well, let me leave you today with a very special birthday uh, announcement uh, or celebration, I guess, however you say it. I want to say happy number 74 to Rick Dempsey. Now, if you're a baseball fan, you may know that name. If you're a Baltimore Orioles fan, you're definitely going to know that name because Rick Dempsey was a part of the Orioles team's 
of the you know of the late 70s early 80s uh when they played in the world series a couple of times and rick dempsey was actually the mvp of the 1983 world series he was a catcher a very dramatic kind of guy very good kind of guy very popular he became one of the most popular orioles in the team's history so happy number 74 to rick dempsey I don't know what he's doing these days, but whatever he's doing, I hope he's having a good time celebrating number 74. And I'm an Oriole fan of that time. And I remember how great he was and how much fun he and those Oriole teams brought to us, uh, the fans of, of the Baltimore Orioles. Thank you for listening. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, and we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye, everybody. <laughs>